Hi, and welcome to the Breastfeeding Medicine Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dr. Ann Eglash. I'm a clinical professor in the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. I'm also a board-certified lactation consultant and a co-founder of the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. And I'm Karen Bodnar. I am an assistant professor of pediatrics at Harbor UCLA Medical Center and a general pediatrician. I'm also a board-certified lactation consultant. And this podcast is sponsored by the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. Just so you know, the content of our podcasts does not necessarily reflect official policies or protocols of the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. Are you ready to go? Hey, Karen, how's it going? Good. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, this should be good. So we have a couple interesting topics to talk about today. Um, I think that I'm going to start and talk about the dysphoric milk ejection reflex. And the reason I want to talk about this is uh, because I want to bring this to people's attention. I think it may be more common than what it would appear in the literature. There are actually no good studies done on this, just case reports. The dysphoric milk ejection reflex is described as a sudden emotional change that women feel right at the time that their milk lets down. And mothers will oftentimes describe feeling depressed, angry, or anxious. So you and I both know that the milk ejection reflex is caused by the hormone oxytocin, which comes from the pituitary gland in the brain. It travels through the bloodstream to the lactating breast and tells the breast to eject milk. A nursing mom feels her letdown as a tight tingling sensation in her breasts, and that tight tingling sensation is um, is the sensation from that oxytocin release. On the other hand, uh, for those listening, not all mothers actually feel that sensation, so it doesn't mean that they're not having letdowns. They just haven't developed that sensation yet. So nursing moms can have frequent oxytocin releases in many situations, such as when they hear the baby, smell the baby, think about the baby, see the baby, which is a good thing because we want moms to have an easy time letting down their milk um, so that the baby gets milk easily. But it can also be a bad thing because they can leak. Her milk can let down at any time, whether or not she's out to dinner, she's at the park, um, and it can be embarrassing for her. So good thing for those really good, absorbable breast pads. Well, according to uh, one oxytocin researcher who's actually um, uh, done a lot of research on this area, Dr. Uva Moberg in Europe, oxytocin is supposed to be the hormone of love, calm, and connection. But some women don't really feel very well when their milk lets down. And it's thought to be from these hormone changes that occur. So in this particular study, which was done in the International Breastfeeding Journal in 2011, actually it wasn't a study, it was a case report, by a, um, by a couple well-known lactation consultants regarding a woman who is actually a lactation counselor. So the woman is very knowledgeable about breastfeeding. And this case report was about her dysphoric milk ejection uh, reflex uh, experience. So um, in this case, this woman, every time she would have a letdown, she would have um, sensations of feeling, she would have feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, and feel worthless for about one and a half to two minutes every time this happened. But other times in between 
times when she's not having a letdown, she felt great. She felt happy. She was well bonded to her baby. Didn't feel depressed at all. And however, this seemed to happen every time she had a letdown. And even when she was, so if she would think about the baby, see the baby and have a letdown when she wasn't even around the baby, she would feel these feelings but she felt like the feelings weren't as strong when she was actually nursing the baby. So it's kind of an, it's sort of odd the way she describes this because if she was out shopping and would have a letdown, she would suddenly look at the clothes that she was buying and think, Oh, these are ugly. Or if she was cooking, when she would have this letdown, she would think, Oh, my family's going to hate this meal. So it would really change how she was thinking. So she sounded miserable. Oh Yeah. Um, so the woman in this case report did some experimenting and she noticed that there were some things that seemed to change um, her depression symptoms with her milk ejection. So if she ate a bunch of chocolate before the next couple times she had a letdown, that seemed to uh, decrease those sensations. If she smoked cigarettes or took, or took Sudafed, which is uh, pseudoephedrine and decongestant, that seemed to help as well. And when she um, talked to her physician, uh, she was given bupropion, which is uh, generic Wellbutrin in the United States, at least. And that also seemed to help um, her symptoms as well. She felt more symptoms if she was really stressed or if she um, had caffeine. So the theory, which I think is really interesting, that she came up with along with the authors of this uh, case report um, uh, was that dopamine, which is one of the neurotransmitters in the brain, was dropping um, at the time that she would have an oxytocin release. And there isn't a direct connection between oxytocin and dopamine, but probably what, what they're thinking is happening is that when the oxytocin is released, prolactin levels rise, which is the other hormone to tell that tells the breast to make milk. And with the rise in prolactin, dopamine goes down. And perhaps there's too much of a drop of dopamine dopamine, uh, for these women. Um, So we do know from studies that lower dopamine levels make people feel anxious, sad, angry, or various negative emotions. And so um, it just seemed to make sense that 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 might be what's happening. And then these things that she found uh, to help her, such as uh, taking bupropion, um, which is known to increase uh, dopamine levels uh, would help her. And so that sort of um, validated her theory. Um, and it's also known that um, Sudafed drops prolactin levels. And um, so if there's not that prolactin response with a letdown, then her dopamine level may not drop as much. So I thought it was very, very interesting. And um, I also think it's important for us to be thinking about this because we because there's such a big um, movement now to be screening women for postpartum depression when they're in with their babies um, in their office. So sometimes the pediatricians are doing this, sometimes the OBs are doing this at six weeks postpartum. But the question for these women that needs to be asked is, do you just have these symptoms with a letdown or are these symptoms constant? So that's why I thought uh, we should just, I should just bring this forward, talk about it, have people start to think more about it. And we definitely need some studies uh, about this topic. Yes, I had never heard of this before. Um, I have had patients complain to me that when they had let down, they had, you know, abdominal cramping, which is also not surprising because oxytocin contributes to um, cramping and contractions. And some people will also complain of nausea. Right. But, But this was new to me. And so it's something that, 
it'll be on my radar now. So I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah, I think that's true. And and other women will complain about feeling um, having a migraine. They'll feel itchy. They'll have hives. They'll uh, feel dizzy and nauseated, especially um, early on, like when they first start feeling their light down in the first month. So, yeah, there's all kinds of things that are happening in that brain with women who are nursing. So very interesting. Mm-hmm. So let's move on and talk about your topic, which is uh, a really great study uh, that you're bringing up about tongue tie. Yeah, so um, this study is titled A Double-Blind Randomized Controlled Trial of Tongue Tie Division and Its Immediate Effect on Breastfeeding. Um, And this was published in Breastfeeding Medicine in June of 2012 by Barry Griffiths and Westcott. The study was done in the United Kingdom in 2003 to 2004, and it was looking at the whether or not um, women whose babies had a tongue tie or the connection between their tongue and the floor of the mouth, which was tight, um, those that had it divided, if it caused an immediate improvement in breastfeeding versus a placebo effect or just um, a false impression that things were improving just because the doctor said they had done something to help. So improvement, so, so improvement in breastfeeding in terms of um, breast pain? Breast pain was one of the measures. They also did an independent evaluation of the latch by a trained observer and also um, whether or not the, the baby was fussy or um, working hard during the feeding. Uh-huh. So um, although breastfeeding exclusive breastfeeding is recommended for the first six months of life and more moms are beginning breastfeeding, there is um, a a dramatic drop-off over the first four months. And tongue tie, also called ankyloglossia, has been reported as a potentially treatable cause of breastfeeding problems. And it's it's common. It's recorded to have about mm, three to four percent incidence, so three to four out of a hundred. And um, those babies with um, tongue ties have been reported to have feeding difficulties about a quarter to half of the time. Those difficulties are trouble maintaining latch, inefficient feeding, maternal pain, or reduced supply, which is probably a result of inefficient emptying of the breast. The procedure that is done most commonly in the um, first days or weeks of life to divide the, the tongue tie is called phrenotomy, and it has in multiple studies been found to be simple, safe, and effective. However, previous most previous studies have not been blinded, meaning that they did the procedure on some babies and not on others, but the mom knew what happened, and that could influence her um, assessment of how the baby was feeding afterwards. So in this study, 60 babies um, were divided into two two groups. Group A had um, the tongue tie divided, and Group B had a sham procedure. So both groups, they took the babies away um, and brought them back with gauze under their tongue as though they had done the procedure. And the moms did not know, and the trained observer did not know, Um, at the time of the next feeding, whether or not the procedure had been done. 
the result was that almost 80% of mothers of babies that had the procedure reported immediate improvement, whereas just under half of the other group noted improvement. And then after that feeding where they were questioned about whether or not there was improvement, the babies who had not had the procedure were taken and they had it done as well. And then all of the babies were followed up and one day later, 90% reported improvement. And three months later, 92% reported improvement. In addition, um, about half of them reported complete resolution of their breastfeeding problem, and only 8% said there was no improvement. Of the 60 babies, um, blinding failed for three of them, meaning that there was a little bit of blood that the mom noted, and so she knew that the baby had had the true procedure. Um, in addition to just asking her whether or not things were better, um, they asked mom about her pain on a 10-point scale, and there was reduction in pain, but not enough to be significant between the two groups. And um, the independent observer who used several tools for assessing latch and breastfeeding did not note significant change between the two groups. Hmm. Um, there were no significant complications, and um, only 5% of moms reported a small amount of bleeding at home following the procedure, and all of the moms reported that they would have had the procedure done again if they had the same problem in the future. So the authors suggest that the improvement in breastfeeding rates for the moms in their study at three months relative to the national rate indicates a positive outcome of the procedure. However, they also acknowledge that this group of moms was very motivated. You know, these were moms that some of them at even more than three weeks were still looking for help for breastfeeding problems rather than giving up. And so um, that may have influenced how long these moms breastfed as well. Right. And so in the end, I would say that the study was did show a, an improvement from phrenotomy, but they note, the authors noted that the best age to do the procedure is still unclear. So there has been controversy about this in the past because if you do it too early, potentially some of the babies getting the procedure would have um, done fine breastfeeding and mom's pain would have resolved without it. If you wait for a long time to offer this procedure, some of the moms who are having problems may have given up before they get to that point. And so um, the authors suggest that symptomatic babies should be treated by two weeks of age. Right. Well, I think that um, one of the biggest issues that I see is that uh, moms have just such terribly sore, uh, torn up nipples that they need that they demand uh, clipping right away, and they're in horrible pain. And it's interesting that women didn't report any improvement in pain, which makes me wonder if they developed any sort of chronic low-grade infection from having sore nipples the whole time. So it, it sounds like well, that whole inf that whole piece was not really well clarified in the study. They did, they did report improvement in pain. Um, the, the pain scores went from, I want to say, around 5 to around 2 in the, in the group that had the procedure. 
but they also decreased slightly in the group that did not, and and the difference just wasn't statistically significant. So okay. for people who aren't used to reading a lot of these studies, the smaller the difference between two groups, the more babies you'd need in the study right. to know whether or not it's really an effect of the intervention or whether it's just a chance happening. Right. And so right. I feel like maybe with a larger study, it would have shown a difference um, because there was, you know, when they did all the details in the study, there was a reduction in pain in both groups. And it was bigger in the, the first group, but they just said when they used their computer modeling, they couldn't say for sure that it was from the procedure. Right. Well, I would bet that the vast majority of people that are lactation consultants uh, would agree that it's important to do uh, phrenotomies and that it makes a huge difference. But I think what they're trying to get at here is that uh, we don't have the really hardcore evidence, which is so true for so many things in breastfeeding medicine. Oh, absolutely. And I have to say as somebody who does this procedure, I found this to to be a very um, informative study and it reinforced that Yes, it is helping moms because I I have wondered in the past, you know, are are some of these just so hopeful that something's going to help that when they get the baby latched on right afterwards, they say, oh, yes, yes, that's helped. Um, But I think that this makes me more confident, especially because the risks are so small that even if it's not helping every single baby, I think that going ahead and doing it when you suspect the tongue tie is a problem is a good idea. And the the timing, you know, maybe not waiting so long to see, is it going to grow out of it? Because, you know, I could maybe help today. Right, exactly. Yep. Great. Well, that sounds uh, really informative and handy. And I'll look forward to talking to you again in a couple of weeks with a couple more interesting studies to discuss. Sounds great. All right. Take care. If you have any interest in the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine or any questions or comments about this podcast, please email us at abm at b as in boy, f as in frank, med.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a few weeks.